Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Heavenly Father, I thank you that is for freedom, that Christ has set us free. Amen. There's power on those words today. I need you to realize today that there is freedom that Christ has set us free, not for us to remain in bondage, not for us to be held back, not for us to live in despair and hopelessness. God, he's the light of the world, and he's here, right here, right now, ready to breathe light into your veins right now, life into your veins, light into your world. I don't care what darkness you've been going through. The light of the world is here today. So in the name of Jesus, we bind any kind of spiritual principality, any kind of spiritual demonic force upon your people, God. We say it breaks off in Jesus' mighty name. It has no right to set foot in this place. The things that are holding people back, the temptations in this place that have been, I feel like it's a scratching upon your soul. In Jesus' name, God, we break that off in the power, by the power of the blood of Jesus. God, that your people would be set free today. Amen. God, I thank you for your strength that sustains us. God, I thank you that we don't have to worry about what this world holds. Your word says, for in this world we have trouble. We can take heart in you, for you have overcome the world. So we look to you today, Lord. God, through a resurrection lens, we don't have to worry about, God, the thing that we're up against right now, God, because we know that you are using all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for your people that are called by your name. Holy Spirit, would you touch them today? Just lift up your hands one more time. Holy Spirit, would you rest upon them, strengthen them today? Grab their hands in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, breathe afresh upon them. Those that have been wearied and burdened some, God, give them a fresh touch today. We call out to you, Lord. We fix our eyes on you, for you are the author and finisher of our faith. God, we're here to meet with you. God, we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said... Amen. Hey, let's put our hands together for Jesus today. Come on. How many of y'all ready for the word today? Come on. This isn't necessarily a transition as much as this is a different form of delivery today. I want you to grab your Bibles. Pick it up in the air. Let me see your Bible. Let me see your Bible. Let me see it. Come on. It's important to read your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. And open up your word, the word of God to Genesis chapter 37. As you're turning there, I want to share with you just a, a highlighted verse that I've had. And I'm going to ask that you remain standing in honor of the Word of God. Uh, and then once we read, I'll, I'll give you permission to, to take your seat. But I ask that you remain standing just in honor of the Word of God this morning. Or, uh, one of the verses that have stuck out to me over this Awakening Your Purpose series is Ephesians 4.1. And it says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You've already received it. We just need to walk in it. Sometimes that calling, for the most part, two weeks ago, we talked about what that calling actually represents, and that's living a holy life before the Lord. It's seeking the Lord in all that you do. Last week, we talked a little bit about unique discontentment and uh, kind of just little indicators on how to follow your purpose, your dreams, the, the, the calling that God has on your life. And it's within this, the context of this verse that we're going to be sharing from the life of Joseph today is Joseph, he's found in Genesis chapter 37. He is the man who went to Egypt to arguably save the known world at that time from a severe famine that was hitting the land. And Joseph is the son of, of, of Jacob, the father, fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
the patriarchs of our faith. And, and uh, Joseph is one of 12 sons. And one time he had a dream. And we pick up in verse 5. says that Joseph had a dream. How many of y'all have a dream in this place? Uh, you believe you got a purpose on your life. You believe that God is, it has placed something on your life. And, and, and now, although you are not Joseph, and I'm not saying that you are Joseph, I believe that the Bible also gives indications of how God works, and that's through the Old Testament. It's not placing yourself and saying, ah, Joseph had a dream, I got a dream, and, and just like that, it's not the same. But God does work similarly to how he worked in the past, he works today. And sometimes he speaks stuff to you like he spoke to Joseph. And I want to be able to give you some, some tools on how to approach the dream that God has for your life. It says, Joseph had a dream. And when he had told his dream to his brothers, they hated him all the more, which implies that they already hated him. Now it's just a little bit more. That, I mean, that's literally what it read. So why are you saying that, Eli? <laughs> he said to them, listen to the dream, this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Can I tell you, sometimes you need to tell your dream to some people and sometimes you just need to keep it to yourself, right? I think we can learn something from Joseph's life. Guess what dream I had, guys? Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And we don't know Joseph's heart, but I can't help but see that last word there, me. And uh, I think God took him on a journey to realize that his dream wasn't so much about him as much as it was about what God was doing in and through him. And I believe it's for some people in here today to know that, just that. What does God want to do in and through your dream? It's your dream, but it's not exactly for you. So I want, to write, I want you to write this down. This is what we're talking about today. What's your dream? What is that? What, what is it called if you uh, acronym? W-I-D. What are you doing, right? That's what people are saying. Like, what are you doing, W-I-D? No? When you just say W-I-D, what's your dream? What's your dream? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Right now, I get out of the way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us today, your people. God, we're hungry for you. And right now, church, open up your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the word of God this morning. Come on, you may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. There's, there's many different ways to follow your dream. There's many different dreams in this place. Why? Because there's many different people. And just like there's different people, there's different dreams. And what I found is, at least from a worldly perspective, a lot of these dreams are focused upon one person or focused upon yourself. It's, it's your success. It's, it's your happiness or your sense of meaning. And um, what I found is that most of our dreams are revolved around us. And what we've seen is that this isn't working. This is how society has been doing this for the last several hundred years. And, and uh, we've been doing this for generations now, just kind of pursuing what's in it for me. What's my happiness? What's my dream. We know in the last days from 2 Timothy 3, 2, it says many people will be lovers of themselves. And I think we're seeing that play out in this day and age that everyone's obsessed with themselves and what they want to do for their life. And, and many of these dreams, though, that they're, 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 the result of all of this is that it, what it does is produce a culture of strife, 
selfishness, despair, and it's not really looking out for your, your neighbor. What it does is it creates a very shallow world when it's all consumed about you and it's all consumed about me. Now, that's the bad news about a dream. I'm not trying to bring you and belabor some bad news today, but I want to show you the good news. The good news is that there is a way. Say, there's a way. They're walking it. No, don't say that, right? There is a way for you to pursue your dreams that bring genuine fulfillment for yourself and others. There is a way for you to pursue your dreams that brings fulfillment for yourself and others. Now, we all have dreams, but many of us haven't taken the time to actually figure them out. And some of these dreams that we are pursuing aren't actually dreams, but they're more of like lifestyles that one, we, ha- we desire, which isn't necessarily bad, but you got to be able to have the filter to realize if those dreams have been placed on you by someone else or if they were birthed in you by the Holy Spirit. So many of us have these dreams, but we haven't taken the time to actually figure them out. And maybe we hear dreams and we hear the context of dreams thinking like, man, one day I want to be the owner of a Fortune 500 company, or maybe I want to be a professional athlete. How many of y'all wanted to be a professional athlete at one time in your life, right? Like mine was baseball and you know, I wanted to be a professional athlete. And what I found is how God used that to get me to where I am today. Man, that'll preach. Maybe we need to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you have maybe a, a dream to retire and maybe on an island or by the beach somewhere. And all those are, are, those are used as in the context of dreams. They're not really dreams like what I'm talking about today. They're more like wishes or career goals. And anyone can have those dreams. Anyone can come into the world and have those dreams. But can I tell you that there are specific dreams that are unique to you that were given to you by God to achieve. There's unique dreams that have been given to you by God to achieve. Those things that inspire you, those things that motivate you. This, what, what we need to figure out is that if these have been given to me by God, what that does is it begs the question, how do I discover my unique dreams? And last week we talked about unique discontentment. Unique discontentment. And we talked about that the problems that agitate you the most are likely the problems that you are called to solve. Not just, not just for it to get under your skin, but that you're called to solve. And many times your unique dreams are the inverse of your unique discontentment. So in the same manner, the opportunities, in the same manner of unique discontentment, the opportunities that inspire you the most are likely the ones you were called to achieve. Can I ask you that question? What opportunities excite you? What opportunities inspire you? What situations and circumstances wake you up and make you feel alive? See, the things that inspire you can I tell you, many people will not understand. Why do you want to do that? See, Joseph had a dream, and his dream caused him to look different. His dream caused him to look different to the world around him, his family. It says that they hated him all the more. There was something different about him. Can I tell you, as a follower of Jesus, there's going to be something different about you to the world. Like, the world's not going to fully understand what you're living your life for. You go to church on a Sunday every week, Like you go to a group every week, like, wait, so you like volunteer, like the the world isn't going to understand that. The world's not going to understand. Wait, like, so you read the Bible like every day, like you get into the word every day, like the world's not going to understand it. Why? Because it's going to look different. It's going to look different to the world. What I found though, is that people tend to accept what is the same. So they'll tell you, stop, start, stop uh, uh, sticking out. 
Like they told blind Bartimaeus, they told him just to shut up. And blind Bartimaeus kept calling out to the Lord. And people will call you to conform, right? People will call you to just be like everybody else. Don't, don't stand out. And people accept that. But the problem is, is that we only really celebrate what is unique and what is talented and what really stands out. And the people that stand out, we tend to not only ostracize at times, but once they start to be successful, we actually celebrate them. Look at them. They're actually being true to themselves. They're being true to their calling. They're being true to what inspires them, what excites them, what makes them wake up, what makes them feel alive. And so people accept what is the same, but eventually celebrate what is different. And this concept of your purpose, and we've been talking about awakening your, your purpose, can be difficult to quantify. Why? Because it's really connected to concrete goals or achievements. And I want to be able to shake the water up a little bit that your purpose, your calling, is not something that you actually do, but it's actually something that you pursue. Oh, you should write that down today. Your calling, your purpose is not something that you do. It's something that you pursue. Because the moment that you label it, that becomes the limit. Man, I don't have any of that stuff in my nose. I should be, I should be writing that stuff down. If I were you, I'd write that down. It's not something that you do, but it's something that you pursue. Because the moment that you label it, that is the moment that you limit it. You limit it. So your purpose is rarely a bucket list to check off. And it's not really, nor is it just a self-centered purpose, but it's actually attached to a greater purpose. One that is often beyond our lifetime. See, we're so self-focused sometimes. We think, before I die, I want to X, Y, Z. And we don't think, and some parents in here today, you need to realize that what you are doing and what you are implanting in each and every single, your kid, every single one of your kids is a purpose, is something that will affect the world that is beyond the world that you will ever see. The kids that you're working, that you're developing right now, will impact a world beyond one that you will ever see, that you will ever be in. See, your con the concept of your purpose should actually be beyond you in what you can do right here, right now, in the however much time you have here on earth. It's, it's beyond you. It's, it's beyond your lifetime. And so I want to talk about this idea of calling. And, 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 and this is really my perspective, which I believe is a very biblical perspective. I, <laughs> I would hope so, right? Uh, I've been entrusted to be able to share with you today. And, and I've heard a lot of different ideas about this calling and this purpose. And I've heard a lot of people say, I'm called to be a... When I grow up, I want to be it. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be this. I want to be that. I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to do this. I'm called to do X, Y, Z. And I want to talk about this idea of calling. Now, as we all know that we don't have the same dream and because we're not all the same person, we don't have the same dream. And although you may feel like you're called, I want to try to try to reshape that. What does that really mean to be called to do something? Can I tell you some calling is more about who you are rather than what you're doing. We talked about this week one, which implies that if you're called, that there is one doing the calling. There has to be someone doing the calling that you don't call yourself, but someone actually calls you for his purpose, not just for your purpose, but for your purpose in his purpose. See, your calling, write this down today, is God's invitation for your participation, and the reason for your creation. I'll say it again here. God's, your, your calling is God's invitation for your participation 
and the reason for your creation. It is worth our time to discover our calling. It is worth our time to discover our purpose. Invitation, that invitation is from your creator. Now, whether you know him or not, today's your chance and the opportunity to be able to know him. At the end, we'll be able to have a, a, a moment to introduce you to him. But it's an invitation to a greater purpose beyond just living for yourself. It's an invitation. But it's not just an invitation. It's also a participation. Not to where we're just in rumination and thinking about all the things that we'll one day do, but it's actually what you can do right now. So it's invitation to participate in what God is already doing. Can I tell you, God has an invitation to you today, right now, to participate in what he is already doing. That's what it means to get into the current. We could talk about that. We've talked about it for eight weeks, and we'll continue to talk about it all year. That's what it means to get into the current. What is God doing? I'm going to get into what God's doing. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I'm not just going to watch what God's doing in and around the world, but I'm going to stand right here. Lord, here I am. Send me however, wherever, whenever. Use me today, God. And what does that look like? Sometimes that looks like something that is more aligned with duty than destination. See, now calling has to be vague. It cannot be specific. I just want God to tell me what to do. And this is what I want to tackle today, that idea of God telling me what to do. It has to be vague, not specific, because your calling is not about an occupation and it's not about a destination. Your calling is about a direction. What are you moving towards today? It's not about arriving, because once you arrive, then what? Once you achieve that, I'm called to be a pastor. Okay, you're called to be a pastor. You're a pastor. Now what? Well, and that's your definition of a pastor. What's a pastor? Is the person that's paid by a church, right? I'm called to, to make music. All right, so when have you arrived? Like, what does that really mean? Like, uh, I'm going to write an album, so you made music. Now what? Right? It's more of a direction than it is a destination. See, we find that Joseph had a dream. And this is how we preach it. We say, don't give up on your dream. Don't let the people rob you of your dream, but stay consistent to it. And I thought about Joseph's life and I read a little bit about it and a lot about it. And I've heard several different stories. And uh, what I found is that Joseph thought his calling was about him being in a place of prominence. Now we can, it might be hurtful to assume that. We could assume that. We don't really know his heart when he was sharing that. Uh, but I, I look at it as it was, it was about him. He mentions you all you were bowing down to me and even the response of his dad. What do you think? We're all going to be serving you one day so we can kind of uh, derive that it was about him. It was a place of prominence amongst his family. But what I found is that later on in his life, he discovered it wasn't a place of prominence, but it was actually more of a place of purpose to help a bunch of people get through a famine. See, his calling wasn't because of what he did. It wasn't about him doing something, but it wasn't about him achieving a certain goal in life. It was actually what got him to where he needed to be was this one phrase that we hear over and over again throughout Joseph's life. It says that the Lord was with him. Do you value the Lord being with you more than you value doing something for the Lord? It says the Lord was with him. Some of us all want to be used by God, but not many of us want to be with God. And I want to be able to encourage you today that the most important part of your life is being with God than doing something for God. Because God cares more about your salvation and your character than he does about your purpose. 
So many of us, what we do is we go after our purpose and we end up sabotaging it because we never developed a character in order to sustain it. And God will bring things up in your life because he cares more about your character than he does about your purpose. You say, God, why do I feel like all these things keep coming up and all these things tend to trigger me? And God's like, hey, all those little things will actually sabotage you later on in the road. And we need to be able to deal with them right now. We got to be able to develop and work through them right now. So what I find is that Joseph realized that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with Joseph. See, God doesn't give you specificity in your calling. I think very rarely he does. And we read in the Bible, there's about roughly 100 people that God directly called. That's very little considering how many people have lived here on earth. Wouldn't you agree? And we like to go through and we think that we're Moses and we think that we're David and we think that we're Joseph and we think that we're, I'm building an ark type thing. And I think it's important to be able to have that perspective that you can be used by God to do mighty things. You gotta be able to do that. But Mother Teresa just said, I just wanted to help some people. And we talk about her. I just wanted to be available for God. We talk about the people, Billy Graham, I just want to see the world saved. I don't know. So I was going to start with the person right next to me. We'll talk about them. What I found is that the people that really are used by God in an extraordinary way is relative to their calling and their purpose that God has ordained for them. And you can't compare your calling with someone else's. The moment you start to compare your calling with someone else's, what you find is that you're celebrating one person's life and you're condemning another. It's important for you not to do that because that will be your limit. That will be your bar of success. Well, at least I'm doing more than this person. Many people go around, I just want to make a difference. How about we rephrase that to make your difference? Like you're called to make a difference. Yes, but I'm called to make my difference and you're called to make your difference. So we can't go around and compare our, our calling, our purpose to other people. And you can't compare yours to someone else's. What are you called to do? Be faithful with that. What is God calling upon you to do? Don't compare it to someone else. So God won't give you necessarily specificity. What he will do is give you a direction. And this is what you need to know today is that your direction will oftentimes look like duty. It won't look like something that you want to do. And what we find is it makes sense in hindsight. And we see how God used the responsibility that he entrusted me with to get me where he wanted me to be. And so we see Joseph being sold as a slave. His brothers, what they do is they throw him into a pit. They sell him off into Egypt. And he, he's, he's a slave in Egypt, but he actually uh, takes what God has given him and he uses it to the best that he can. And we find that he rise, rises to a place of prominence and Potter, uh, his name was Potiphar's house and he was the captain of the guard and he was second in command. And he used what God had entrusted him with for the glory of God. And he found that as he used his duty, as he pursued the duty that he was entrusted with, that God actually used him in a mighty way. And we find later on though that he was falsely accused of, of uh, going after Potiphar's daughter, which we can read about that in the book of Genesis. And then he was thrown in prison again. And what I found though is that the reason why you don't need to worry that if you have setbacks in your life is God can still use those moments. God can still redeem those moments. And some of y'all need to know that and take heart in that, that just because you've had a, a failure, just because you've had a setback, doesn't mean that God can't use it. And what we see in Joseph's story is 
that was actually purposed by God to get him in the right place at the right time. And I don't have time to go into that, but I'll go into it uh, a little bit later. And uh, so I, I just want you to know that God connects the dots. You don't. It'll make sense, hindsight. And you may not make sense why I'm going through what I'm going through right now, why I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. I could assume Joseph was calling out to the Lord, say, God, I did nothing wrong. I did everything right, but here I am in prison again for doing nothing wrong. And God is saying, no, no, no. This is actually not prison, but it's actually a position. It's a duty that I'm, calling, that, that I'm entrusting you with. And we find that he goes to prison. And I want to talk a little bit about this idea of calling. And this is something that I want to kind of flip the script on is many people will say I'm called to do something. And I'm called to, let's say, let's use a teacher for an example. How many teachers we got in the place here right now? Like that is your occupation, your teacher. Let's celebrate our teachers. Come on. Come on. We got a bunch of amazing teachers across the metro. And, and I, so I'm not actually, I'm, I'm celebrating this. I, I want to more so give like direction rather than uh, a destination. And I'm just using teaching as an example. And some people would say, I'm, I feel like I'm called to be a teacher. And what that does is, is it labels our, our purpose. So when other opportunities come around the, the corner, that may, may be an idea of promotion. Let's say as a teacher, now you have the opportunity to be promoted to a principal. Uh, some people might reject that because they feel like they're not walking and staying true to their calling because they run around and they told a bunch of people, I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be a teacher. I'm called to be a teacher. But what do we know is that your calling is not an occupation. It is not a destination, but it is a, it is a direction. A better way to say it isn't that I'm called to be a teacher or I'm called to be a pastor or I'm called to a certain type of occupation. A better way to say it as a teacher is I want to help children or I want to help people learn. I want to help people uh, increase their knowledge, their thinking. And what, what that does is it helps you understand a direction. It's not about an occupation. Now it can take various forms. What that does is it actually unlocks your mind and what a teacher actually can be. So now if you're called to help children increase their knowledge, now you can do that through a place of influence as a principal, right? Now you actually have a level of elevation. What do we see happening in Joseph's life? He was in the prison. Now he's over the prison, right? Because he didn't look at where he was as the destination. He says, no, I'm heading in a direction and that's to be used by God. And so in your life, if you look at what you are called to do, as your goal, that goal will eventually become your limit. And how can God exceed your expectations if you're never open to a revision? So a better way to look at your calling and your purpose isn't a destination. It's not a goal. It's a direction. I want to help children. I'm called to be a pastor. This may be controversial. I don't believe people are called to be in a position. Like I hear, I've heard it my whole life. You're called to be a pastor. What does that mean? What does it mean? And so now what we do is we label, oh, well, I got to work for a church, right? I got a goal to, to do X, Y, and Z. Did you know you can influence people in the marketplace and pastor people in the marketplace as well? Now I understand Western culture, we're, we're calling the person with the mic, as a pastor. And I think it's, I don't think that's necessarily bad. I don't think that's, what I think it does is that it, it limits 
to people thinking that I can't be effective for the kingdom because I got to work for a church. But what I found is that people in the marketplace are the church. Right? So you want to you wanna, you wanna work for the church or you want to be the church, right? It starts in the marketplace. And I would say that it actually ends there. This is just a gathering, not just a gathering. This isn't only a gathering, right? This is us coming together to go back and to be a light to the world. We're going to come here. We're going to lift up our spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. We're going to praise him. We're going to have prayer before him, right? We're going to honor him in the, in the receiving of the word. But then we go back, right? Then we go back. So that's why this idea of calling can get, can get pretty muddy. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a goal of the devil, honestly, to limit what God wants to do in and through you by saying, this is what you are called to do. I don't know if it's like that. I think it's more direction than it is specification. So we find that a teacher can live out her role of calling in a role of a teacher, yes, but it's also open to other ways that she can help children develop. Maybe it's writing children's books. Maybe it's uh, a content creator on YouTube. You see, right? What it does is it expands your thinking. I can be used in multiple ways because my calling is a direction, not a destination. So bottom line is that when you limit your calling to a role, what you do is you cap what God can do in and through you because you thought that your purpose was about an occupation, a destination rather than a direction. And so people will say this. They say, hold on to your dream. Hold on to your dream. And they use Joseph as an example because one day you're going to move from the pit to the palace and God's going to crown you as a king. And, and I actually find that Joseph forgot about his dream. It's okay to forget about your dream. God knows your dream. God knows your purpose. So rather than pursuing that, let's pursue the one that has it, right? So we see Joseph didn't remember, and I don't have this verse for you on the screen, but it's Genesis 42, 9. It says that then he remembered his dreams. So what happened is he went to prison and, and he was promoted to a place of prominence, which I'll talk a little bit about how that happens as, as we close. He was promoted to a place of prominence and he remembered, wow, I remember when God said that, or I remember when I felt that tug to do that. It just doesn't look like what I thought. It, it wasn't about prominence. It was about purpose. It looked different than what he thought. I tell you, all the married people know what I'm talking about. It looks different, right? It looks different. Different is okay. Say that with me. Say different is okay. It's okay. Joseph was different. Different's okay because different means unique. If it's just like everyone else, it's not going to be unique. If it's not unique, it's probably not going to be impactful. So your struggles... Why do we fight about this? No other couple fights about that. Well, they might. You don't know that. You're assuming that, right? Parenting is different. I never understood people that I'm called to be a dad. I'm called to be a mom. I feel sorry for my kids sometimes because I never felt called to be a dad. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but what I found is that my dream actually started to take place as I took seriously the duty that God entrusted me with. Now I find no greater joy 
than to be with my kids and developing my kids. First, it looked like a burden. So I embraced it like a duty because God entrusted it with me. And now I look at why would I want to do anything else? Because when you embrace that duty that God has entrusted you with, you will find, you're going to find that that was a dream all along. And so we see Joseph has a duty to take care of prison. And see, Joseph didn't really even follow his dreams. This is what you need to get. If you didn't get anything else out of this message, get this today. Joseph didn't follow his dreams. Joseph followed God. And in turn, God was with Joseph. And this is what Joseph found out. That Joseph's dreams followed him. And see, a lot of us are going around pursuing something. And it's okay. But if you're pursuing that beyond the Lord, this is what I found to be true in my life. I say this, I've said it before, steps of a good man are order of the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I believe that. And only you really know if you're putting God first or if you're putting your dream first. You put God first. You follow God and you will find that those dreams that are inside your heart will start to follow you. See, at first he was in the center of his dream. Bow down to me. But then he realized that it wasn't about status. It was about service. And he says to his brothers in Genesis 45, he says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. See, he connected the dots. We try to orchestrate the dots. Sometimes we're just called to connect the dots. And we see how God can use it. And I opened up with Ephesians 4.1, which said, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And I can't help but think that just two verses before that, the calling you have received is Ephesians 3.20, which many of you, many of us might understand and, and know it's Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all, than, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Immeasurably more implies that it's not what we thought it was gonna look like. More than we ask or imagine which means it's not gonna make sense. He wants to exceed your expectations. So when you go and you start labeling it, God can't exceed it because you close your eyes and you close your heart to opportunities that he brings before you because it doesn't look like what you thought it was gonna look like. And so you see yourself in prison, but you don't see that that prison, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You see yourself in prison like Joseph, and you don't realize that that prison is actually positioning for your purpose. And so that means that God is not going to do it like you thought and what you had in mind. So you'll ask God for one way and he'll do it another way. So you got to be open to a revision. Are you open to a revision for your dream? Are you okay with it looking different? Not like what you thought it was going to look like? It's okay. God wants to be able to do immeasurably more than what you thought or imagined. 
So it's kind of closing thoughts here that the moment that we label our calling as an occupation, what we do is we limit what God can do through us. Because in order for God to do immeasurably more, it's not going to look like what we thought it was going to look like. It will not look like a dream, but it'll actually look like a duty. And when you begin to stay faithful to your duty, you will find that your dream will find you. Would you stand to your feet? We'll take this, Caleb. I'm done here. And what I see in our lives is that a lot of people share about what they want to do. And we find that kind of got Joseph into trouble, but it was actually good that he got into trouble because it got him to where he needed to be before he needed to be there so that God could use him for what he had for him. And I want to encourage you in this. Sometimes in this culture today, we, we share a lot about what we want to do. And I want to share with you a revelation that I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me several years ago. I'm kind of a secretive person. I don't share a whole lot about the things that God's called me to do and um, at least the things that he's placed in my heart. At times I will, but you got to be careful sometimes who you share that because some people can like crucify it, shop it up and all that. More so I've taken this approach. Joseph stopped talking about his dream. He mentioned it. And then he doesn't mention it again until he remembers it. And I want to close with this last passage. You know, he is saying, my dream, let me tell you my dream. Let me tell you my dream of what God's going to do in it through me. And it's, it's found in uh, Genesis chapter, I believe it was 45. Genesis 45, if we can put that back up there. There it is. Oh, it was actually before that. It's Genesis 40. I gave him the wrong one. There we go. So we find he's in prison with a baker and a butler. It's not a beginning of a bad joke. It's, he was in the prison. He was the head of the prison, and there's a baker and a butler. Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. We'll go to the next verse. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered. But there is no one to interpret them. And can I tell you, this world is full of people that have dreams. It's full of people that feel something beating in their heart, a purpose. They can't quite identify it. And sometimes we're so fixated on our purpose that we don't give the opportunity for other people to discover theirs. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So it's, let me tell you my dream, let me tell you my dream, let me tell you my dream. And the moment that he says, tell me your dreams, and then he goes to Pharaoh, what happened? He, he, gets, he gets promoted, like Pharaoh has a dream and they're like, hey, we got this guy in prison that can interpret dreams. So now Pharaoh is asking for Joseph. And then he goes to the most powerful man in the world. And what does he do? He doesn't say, I have a dream. God given me a dream. No, what does he say to Pharaoh again? Tell me your dream. That's the approach we need to have to our purpose. It isn't necessarily about what God's going to do in and through me. 
but it's a revelation of realizing that another person has a unique dream too. And us be able to go to them and say, tell me your dream. Tell me your dream. What does God want to do in and through you? Depending on your level of access, they might share with you a lot, a little, and that's okay. But I want us to switch that focus. That it's not about our dream. It's actually more about the person around us. And as we take care of the person around us, we'll see that God will get us where we need us to be, where he needs us to be, because he who seeks to find his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And I pray over you. Father God, we thank you for the purposes that you've given us today. God, we thank you for the joy of being able to be called according to your purpose. So I pray for every single person in this room today. Holy Spirit, lead us like you led Joseph. And sometimes when we discredited the, the season that we're in, or maybe we've cursed the duty that you've entrusted us with, God, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to it, to steward it well, to use it for your glory and your honor. God, I pray for every single person here today. God, if they've been restless about their dreams and their purpose, God, I pray that they would delight themselves in you. And we know that you will give them the desires of their heart. God, that they wouldn't worry about achieving or arriving or, or grabbing hold of their dreams more than they are fixated about grabbing hold of you and walking with you. And I pray that they would be able to see that as they follow you, those dreams, those things that have inspired them, that wake them up at night and call them to grow, God, I pray that they would see that those dreams follow them. God, I thank you that your purposes are going to prevail in each and every single person's life, that the devil's not going to derail the plans that you have for them. God, great are the plans that you have for them, God. Great are the plans that you have for them. So no amount of setback, no amount of discouragement, no amount of, of, of the devil's plans will be able to thwart your purposes in their lives. God, I thank you for your people. God, I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that your face would shine upon them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.